I Lived with a Killer is part of the Real Crime Collection in the Reels Files on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to get new episodes each Thursday. Then, go to Reels.com to find chilling programs like this when you watch TV. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com for the Real Crime series and specials you'll find only on Reels Channel. Richard Beasley has the world fooled. He convinced some very smart people that he was actually trying to do good. But his daughter learns that it was all a lie. In reality, it was all just fake. It was a double life. When his con is exposed, a desperate Beasley turns to murder. The FBI soon realized that they had a serial killer on their hands. Luring his victims online, he becomes the infamous Craigslist killer. And his daughter, Tanya is forced to face the devastating truth. Growing up, I had this idea of him getting out and being this awesome father figure. And then this idea of him even being a decent human being was ripped away. In the internet age, few things are more terrifying than the unknown predators who lurk online. Richard Beasley is one of those predators using the internet to lure the vulnerable for his own twisted gain. His vicious crimes devastate his daughter Tanya, destroy the life of a young family friend, and shock the community that trusted him. In 1989, 30-year-old biker Richard Beasley is paroled from a Texas prison after serving four years for burglary. He returns home to Akron, Ohio, marries fellow biker Tina, and in 1993, becomes the proud father of a baby girl, Tanya. For the first three years of Tanya's life, Richard is a working man and a doting father. Tanya Beasley, daughter. The earliest memories I have of him and my mom and us as a family um, is us going to Rolling Acres Mall. My favorite thing was to throw coins in the fountain um, and make wishes on them. Of course, thinking as a kid, it would come true. (laughs) We would go to the zoo. We would do art together. We'd play video games. Um, So there were definitely a lot of positives in the memories that I have with him. Richard's wife, Tina, wants to put the past behind them. My mom no longer wanted to be a part of the motorcycle lifestyle, but my dad decided that he wanted to stay in. He promised my mom that he was on the straight and narrow and that he was bringing home a legitimate paycheck. But in reality, it was all just fake. It was a double life. Like Walter White in Breaking Bad, Beasley has a secret criminal life. Phil Trexler, investigative reporter. He was dealing drugs, he was breaking into houses, and he was selling firearms to criminals, basically. My mom had no idea what was going on until the ATF came to our door. An Ohio judge sentences Beasley to seven years in prison for burglary and dealing illegal weapons. In prison, he turns over a new leaf and finds God. After my father was released from prison when I was in middle school, he had decided that he was going to take the right path this time. He really took his religion to the next level. He was a Christian, and he became an ordained chaplain at one of the local churches that he had volunteered at. 
I felt as though that was his first official step in changing his life around. He pledges to spread the word of God and serve the needy. He would embrace the downtrodden, try to help those who had made mistakes, who had suffered through abuse or addiction issues. He came to be well-respected in the community, uh, someone who um, preached a, a Christian life and who did as Jesus Christ did by helping those who were less fortunate. One of those less fortunate is a neighborhood boy named Brogan Rafferty, who Beasley has taken under his wing since the tender age of eight. Brogan Rafferty came from a, a fractured home. Uh, his father was a biker. His mother was, a, was basically a drug addict. At first, I was a little bit jealous of Brogan's relationship with my dad and the fact that he spent so much time with him. But I grew to accept it. I knew he needed that mentor and that positive figure. You could tell Brogan idolized him in a sense. He would wait and just kind of dote on his every word. Life is good again for Richard and his daughter until tragedy strikes. My father, when he first got out, got a job driving a trash truck. And when they were driving on the highway, they were in an accident. He had broken his sternum and snapped his Achilles tendon. And after that, he wasn't quite the same. The collision leaves Beasley with severe head, neck, and spinal cord injuries. The painkillers he is prescribed eventually lead to an addiction. After my father started abusing the pain pills, there was a very drastic change in his personality. He was very quick to anger. He would kind of snap when something upset him. He just had a whole different demeanor about him. With his addiction kept secret, Beasley's reputation as a pillar of the community remains intact. In 2009, he uses a financial settlement from his accident to open a halfway house for paroled prisoners and eventually former prostitutes. Judges, defense attorneys, even prosecutors, they all believe Richard Beasley was a renewed man. He would advocate for the defendants, the prostitutes, and the drug addicts, and he could convince a judge to release them into his custody, into his care, into his halfway house. There was something about Richard Beasley that people liked. He was a salesman. He sold himself, and he convinced some very smart people that he was actually trying to do good. As Tanya enters high school, she adopts her father's desire to help those less fortunate. I wanted to start it off on a positive note, so him and I started this charity. We ended up raising a couple thousand dollars for the local group home, and he was behind me every step of the way. It was a defining moment where I kind of decided what I wanted to do with my life, and he helped me figure it out. But Tanya soon realizes that something about her father seems off. My freshman year of high school, I had gotten my first boyfriend. He had had kind of a shady past, but had also recently turned his life around. My father asked if my boyfriend would like to come over and help him work on the house. And I thought maybe being around my father would be a positive influence for him. And then over time, it just kind of got a little weird. It got to the point where he would come over without me being there or I'd call my boyfriend to see what he was doing, thinking he was at home and he was at my dad's. I could tell that something more was going on there. At the tender age of 16, 
Tanya learns once again that her father's life is a lie. I had been hanging out with my dad, and he was not tech-savvy whatsoever. One of the things that he always had me do was help him clean out his voicemails. And I had found a recent voicemail from my boyfriend talking about the drugs that he had been selling for him. Pius Richard Beasley has been dealing drugs to the neighborhood youth. Discovering the brutal truth devastates young Tanya. His choices cost me a lot of my friendships. Just trying to walk down the hallways in school and talk to my friends. I could no longer decipher who was my friend because they enjoyed being around me or because they were buying or selling drugs for my father. It caused me to have a lot of distrust in people. That really changed my relationship with my father. I went from seeing him as this nurturing, loving father to seeing him as the opposite. And it was hard. It hurt really bad. It just made me question everything about the man. As Richard's lies unravel, the truth about his halfway house is exposed. After my father started doing his street ministry, he started bringing around girlfriends when we would hang out. And then it turned into them being tenants of his house. The more that came around, I started to notice something was up. They weren't always modestly clothed. And it wasn't until one of them had gotten me a coat, and it was a fur coat, and my mom had made a smart remark when I showed it to her about how he, she couldn't believe that he had given me one of his hooker's coats. And that's when I put two and two together, that they weren't just recovering addicts, they were actually prostitutes. Have you got something for me? Richard Beasley, who was really a wolf. I mean, he was preying on these women, keeping them high, keeping them addicted, and meanwhile, sending them out to service men in the community in sexual ways, and even himself. The women weren't going to tell. They felt threatened. He would tell them that he would go to the judges who listened to Richard Beasley, and he would send the girls back to prison. So he kept them intimidated, he kept them in fear, and he kept them addicted. At some point, the women had had enough of Richard Beasley, and they called law enforcement. Beasley's halfway house is exposed as a front for prostitution and drugs. Brian Pierce criminal defense attorney. In December of 2010, the Akron police executed a search warrant on a residence that Richard was living in, and they discovered chemicals used for the manufacture drugs, as well as some prescription medication and marijuana, and he was ultimately charged with drug trafficking as well as compelling prostitution. Once these horrific stories emerged, his reputation just went south. Uh, judges felt betrayed. Prosecutors felt betrayed. With new charges hanging in the balance and parole violations for the offense in Texas, Richard is facing decades of prison time with no hope for release. This investigation really put Richard Beasley in a box. Um, he became very desperate. My father would always tell me if anything ever happened and he had to go to prison again, he just wouldn't. He said he would never go back again. Beasley comes up with a desperate plan that ultimately leads to murder. If you like what you're hearing, 
Check out the Real Crime TV series on Reels Channel. You'll find chilling true stories of capital offenders brought to justice, like Chris Watts, the Colorado killer dad, Jeffrey Epstein, the sex trafficker who died in jail with his secrets, and a new report on the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. Then, check out Reels medical mystery series, Autopsy. Autopsy reveals what really killed screen and music legends like Amy Winehouse, River Phoenix, Elvis Presley, and Robin Williams. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. Then, check the top of the screen to find Reels in your area. Before he becomes known as the Craigslist killer, Richard Beasley is a pillar of the community. His daughter, Tanya, is proud of his devotion to helping the poor. When my dad first opened the halfway house, I believed that his intentions had been pure. But in reality, the halfway house appears to be a front for prostitution and drugs. He was preying on these women, keeping them high, keeping them addicted, and meanwhile, sending them out to service men in the community in sexual ways, and even himself. When his hookers report him, Richard is arrested and charged with drug trafficking and compelling prostitution. Richard Beasley had been in jail for a number of months, and he was finally able to make bond in July of 2011. He had a trial date coming up in September and was due to return back to court in August. When I heard my father was going back to prison, I actually viewed it as being a positive thing because he could no longer disappoint us as his family. At least in prison, he would shape up and we would have a relationship that was honest. Desperate to avoid more prison time, Richard Beasley enlists the help of Brogan Rafferty, the son of a family friend. As my father and I's relationship dissipated, he became closer with Brogan. Since taking him under his wing as a child, Beasley has become a father figure to Brogan. It went from Brogan being this kind, gentle, nice boy to him being more of a very assertive, dominant kind of person. Our conversations kind of took a twist and it became about fighting and drugs and my dad was encouraging that violent nature in Brogan. We're in this together. You gotta help me get out of it. With Brogan's help, Beasley devises a sinister plan. He was a desperate man, and Richard Beasley decided at this point uh, he had no other alternative but to disappear and to take on somebody else's identity. Like the talented Mr. Ripley, Beasley plans to kill a victim and assume their identity. With Brogan in tow, Beasley begins cruising the streets of Akron looking for his target. Richard Beasley, as desperate as he was, needed a new identity. He and Brogan Rafferty started cruising along uh, areas of Akron where the homeless hang out, looking for somebody whose identity he can assume. Eventually, he came upon Ralph Geiger. Hey, buddy. How's hey. it going? With few friends and family to miss him, Geiger is the perfect mark. Sadly, Ralph Geiger was the perfect foil for Richard Beasley. He was in his 50s. He was hit hard by the recession. You interested in a little work? I'm all looking for good work, man. Richard Beasley offered Ralph Geiger uh, $300 a week to take care of his land 
take care of some livestock down there. And essentially, he would have the use of a two-bedroom trailer in a very secluded area about 100 miles south of Akron. Ralph Geiger was desperate, and uh, this job that Richard Beasley offered him seemed like the job of a lifetime, the break that he needed. Hop in. On August 8th, 2011, Ralph Geiger steps into Richard Beasley's car. Richard Beasley and Brogan Rafferty decided to take Ralph to Southern Ohio under the guise that they're going to tour the property and show Ralph where he's going to live. They arrive, it's deserted, and Richard Beasley made up some excuse that they had to start walking. He asked Ralph to help him find these wild coyotes that were in the area. They walked into the woods away. You know what, I think this might be the wrong way. They turned around and Ralph Geiger now led the way. As Ralph Geiger was standing in front of him, Richard Beasley pulled out his gun, pulled the trigger, and killed him, execution style. Go get a shovel. As Ralph Geiger's lying there dead, Richard Beasley completed his crime. He took Ralph's wallet and took out his social security card and driver's license. He got what he came for, a new identity. Because of his previous injuries, Beasley relies on Brogan Rafferty to do the heavy lifting. Richard Beasley was seriously injured in a car accident, and as a result of that, had a lot of injuries, and he used Brogan to assist him with this murder. Brogan's the uh, muscle of this operation, so to speak, and it was left to him to dig the grave. He didn't dig it very deep, but it was enough for them to drag Ralph Geiger's body over there, lay it in a shallow grave, toss some leaves over it, and then just walk away. According to Brogan, once they got back to the car, Richard Beasley pulls out a knife and makes a pointed threat. He says, I know your mother, I know your sister, I will kill them if you say anything. Armed with a new social security card, Richard Beasley takes on a new name and becomes 56-year-old Ralph Geiger. Once he got what he wanted, Richard Beasley left his own identity in Southern Ohio and drove to Akron a new man, so to speak. Richard Beasley was due to return back to court in August. Richard missed that August court date, and as a result, the judge issued a warrant for his arrest. My dad had left me a voicemail with a contact number and address that he would be at if I needed to talk to him. And I deleted it because I had no desire to keep in contact with him. But I didn't realize that he was giving me that info because he was on the run. And knowing what I know now, I wish I hadn't deleted the voicemail. For weeks, Beasley's plan seems to work. Using Ralph Geiger's identity and social security number, Richard Beasley was able to get an apartment. He was able to get a job. But there's one part of his old life Beasley can't leave behind. Unfortunately for Beasley, this job requires some physical labor. But because of his car accident, physical labor and Richard Beasley don't like each other. Because of the physical toll this took, Richard Beasley didn't last long in this job. It was probably something like two weeks before he quit. With his back to the wall, Beasley decides to kill again. 
this time for money. The criminal world was not scary to him. He was not intimidated easily. He saw an opportunity to continue to deceive people and make a lot of money doing it. Once again, Beasley uses help from his unwitting daughter to carry out his nefarious plan. When he first got out of prison, he was kind of in shock by the technology and the ways that it had advanced. One of the things that fascinated him the most was the internet. He loved the fact that he could have all the knowledge he wanted right at his fingertips. But he just wasn't quite sure how to do anything else with it, like using Craigslist. We'll just click this button right here. So if I wanted to sell something? And when he first got his halfway house, he had been given a lot of furniture donations for it. And he wanted to sell what he didn't use on Craigslist. That way, the proceeds could still go towards the house. It sounds easy enough. Yeah, I think you think I can handle that? He asked me to create a Craigslist account so that he could sell the furniture, but I didn't know what would come of that later. Using the pseudonym Jack, Richard Beasley posts an ad on Craigslist with the same offer he used to lure Ralph Geiger. It read, wanted, caretaker for farm, simply watch over a 688-acre patch of hilly farmland and feed a few cows. You get $300 a week in a nice two-bedroom trailer, someone older and single preferred. You got to remember, at this time when Richard Beasley posted this ad, the economy was tanking. Unemployment was high. People, especially guys in their mid-50s, were extremely desperate for work. So the response to this ad was phenomenal. Over 100 guys applied for it. One of the applicants is 51-year-old divorcee David Pauly, down on his luck. Pauly's lost his job and is sleeping on his brother's couch. David Pauly, as it turned out, was a perfect candidate for Richard Beasley's ruse. He was middle-aged, 50s, unemployed, not married, no kids. David Pauly was attractive because he had uh, a bunch of tools that he put in a U-Haul and had a lot of possessions that he brought with him when he responded to the ad. One of the first things that David Pauly did after getting the job was to tell his sister about it. He felt that, you know, Richard Beasley was a preacher and that there was some divine intervention going on here that God was actually helping him turn his life around through Richard Beasley. On October 23, 2011, David Pauly drives to Ohio to meet with his new employer. Mr. Pauly met Richard Beasley and Brogan Rafferty in a restaurant and was asked to get in the car with them. At that point, they drove out into this secluded area near where Richard said the farm was that Polly would be the caretaker for. He was then asked to get out of the car and walk into the woods. According to Brogan, uh, once the car stopped, he got out, he answered nature's call. And while he's gone, he hears the pop, pop, pop. He came running and saw David Polly lying on the ground dead in his cowboy hat hanging from a tree. While Beasley rifles through his victim's pockets, Brogan Rafferty prepares to dispose of the body. There was a grave that had been dug by Brogan Rafferty. This was almost exactly the same M.O. as the first victim, Ralph Geiger. For the second time, 
Richard Beasley is getting away with murder. Well, once David Pauly was killed, Richard Beasley then stole whatever life possessions that the poor guy had. Uh, a train set, um, some tools, a tackle box, Christmas decorations. They even sold the guy's pickup truck. This score for Richard Beasley amounted to a couple thousand dollars. But you got to remember, he's addicted to painkillers. Those are expensive. And Richard Beasley blew through this money in a matter of two weeks. And again, he was desperate. He had to go out and get more money to feed his own addiction. Beasley once again turns to Craigslist to find his next victim. 49-year-old Scott Davis from South Carolina. He fit the profile, single, loosely attached. It was an opportunity for Scott Davis not only to get a job, but also to move back to Ohio and be closer to his mom. Two weeks after killing David Pauly, Beasley and Brogan meet with Davis at a local breakfast diner. During the so-called job interview, Richard Beasley was sizing up Scott Davis, trying to determine exactly how much of a bounty this guy was going to bring him to make his killing worth it. Scott had a, a landscaping business, so he had tools, landscaping equipment, a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. He brought a lot of belongings with him. Beasley is pleased with what he hears. He and Brogan begin the routine that has already claimed the lives of two other men. Scott Davis is in the car with Richard Beasley and Brogan Rafferty. And as they approach a very secluded area in the woods, uh, Richard Beasley tells Scott Davis that they need to stop and retrieve some equipment in the woods in order to repair the road leading up to the farm. Richard tells Davis that they're lost and they need to turn around. But I think we're in the wrong area. At that point, Scott Davis turns around and Richard is following behind him. And Scott Davis hears a sound that he recognizes as a gun being cocked. He turns around and realizes that Richard Beasley has pointed a gun at him. But then Beasley's plans come undone. Ex-con turned street preacher Richard Beasley's fall from grace has led to a rift with his teenage daughter, Tanya. Growing up, I had this idea of him getting out and being this awesome father figure and having this strong relationship with him. And I got a taste of that. But as he started reverting back to his old lifestyle and his life of crime, it kind of crushed that idea. I was extremely hurt, and I kind of turned my emotions off. He's going away, so don't get attached. In order to avoid jail time for drug and parole violations, Beasley turns to murder luring men through a job ad on Craigslist. After killing Ralph Geiger, assuming his identity and his lifestyle, Beasley misses court, uh, and he then goes on to kill David Pauly. Now Beasley is poised to kill again. This time, it's Scott Davis. As Richard Beasley and Scott Davis walk into the woods, Richard tells Davis that they're lost and they need to turn around. I think we may have to go back. At that point, Richard is following behind Scott Davis. Scott Davis hears this click 
and turns around and realizes that he's about to be killed. A gunshot goes off. He's wounded in the arm, and then he takes off into the woods, running literally for his life. As he's running, Richard Beasley fires off several shots. He misses. Davis was able to get away from Beasley and escape into the woods. What just happened? Get in the car. At that point, Richard Beasley goes back to the road and it's back in the car with Brogan Rafferty and they are searching for Scott Davis. Richard tells Brogan Rafferty that if he sees Davis, he should run over him with the car. For seven hours, Davis is either hiding or running through the woods trying to seek assistance. And eventually, he finds a house that he approaches and knocks on the door. The people in the house very reluctantly open the door. They see this person standing there uh, with dirt and blood all over him. And he convinces them to call 911. Sheriff Hanum's office. Hey, yes, Hanum, we just had a uh, gentleman come up to our front door. Uh, he claims he's been shot. He's uh, got some blood on him. Once law enforcement arrived, the sheriff was talking to... Uh, Scott Davis and the story that he was telling them just seemed so out of this world that they didn't believe him. They thought it was a drug deal gone bad or something. And Scott Davis pulls out the Craigslist ad and says, here, here's proof. He showed him the actual ad. And it was at that point that the sheriff finally believed what Scott Davis was saying was actually the truth. The media gets wind of Scott Davis's shocking story. The local media started to hear of his horrific story and the immediate attention really started to focus in on what was happening at that farm. During the time that the police are investigating Scott Davis's allegations about being shot in the woods, the police get a phone call from David Polly's sister. David Polly's sister stumbled upon Scott Davis's story, and it was at that point the similarities were so striking, she realized that her brother was probably a victim just as Scott Davis was. Holly's sister tells Akron police her brother responded to a similar Craigslist ad and then went missing. Law enforcement realized that he may also be a victim. And it was at that point that they took cadaver dogs to the site and started searching the area. And that's when they discovered uh, David Polly's body. Beasley and Brogan didn't do a real great job of burying him. The grave was not very deep. It was very shallow. When the police discovered David Polly's body, it was partially decomposed. And in very close proximity to that was a freshly dug grave that police believe was meant for Scott Davis. And at this point, for the first time, authorities realized that they had a serial killer on their hands. Ohio police immediately call in the FBI. Because Victims were being lured across state lines because the, there was cell phone tower information and computer information that they needed to search. The FBI was much more equipped to investigate these crimes. While the FBI and local detectives look for clues to identify the killer stalking Akron, Richard Beasley prepares to strike again. Because he got zero dollars out of Scott Davis, Richard Beasley then had to plot his next move. And that next move, of course, involved killing someone else. 
Beasley decides to commit one last murder, then disappear for good. Through Craigslist, Beasley finds another victim, 47-year-old family man Tim Kern. Tim Kern was the perfect mark for Richard Beasley. Desperate for work to help support his family. On the morning of November 13th, 2011, Tim Kern writes, I love you, in a text to his 19-year-old son and drives north to meet his new employer at a pizza shop. Unaware that a new victim is driving straight into the grip of a murderer, detectives struggle to ID the killer before he strikes again. While they were investigating the, the shooting of Scott Davis and still trying to substantiate his story, they came across surveillance video from a restaurant where Davis had met with his so-called Jack and Jack's young cohort. And for the first time, they had photographs and were able to identify who these people were. Police recognized the so-called Jack as their missing fallen preacher, Richard Beasley. They begin an all-out search for Beasley and his young accomplice. But Tim Kern is on his way to meet the killer. And time is running out. Tanya Beasley wants to cut her criminal father out of her life. My dad had left me a voicemail, and I deleted it because I had no desire to keep in contact with him. She has no idea that Richard Beasley has become the Craigslist killer. After Beasley botches his attempted murder of Scott Davis in the woods outside Akron, Ohio... He's desperate for one last score in order to skip town for good. He plans to kill and rob again, and he's pinned his hopes on down-and-out family man, Tim Kern. Tim Kern responded to the Craigslist ad. Uh, Tim was 47 years old. He had worked as a street cleaner and lost his job. Uh, he had two sons and was really down on his luck, had struggled with some substance abuse issues, and was really looking to start a new life. He met with Richard Beasley and Brogan Rafferty at a fast food restaurant in the Akron area. While Beasley prepares to kill Tim Kern, investigators interview Beasley's only child, Tanya. I had finally been able to distance myself from my dad and taken on a normal teenage life. When I was working at a local fast food restaurant, a man showed up and flashed a badge. Of course, I figured this has to do with my dad. He's selling drugs again. I have a couple questions about your father. Okay. First, they asked me all about his previous addresses, where he had lived. And then came a picture of him and Brogan. It was just a little weird to me. The agent received a phone call, and I overheard him talking about them finding another body. Was the body located in the same area? And my heart instantly dropped. My first thought was, this is a lot bigger than a drug deal. I straight up asked him to be honest with me and tell me if the call that he received and the bodies they were talking about had anything to do with my father. And he said yes. Agents asked Tanya about a farm her father claims to own. 
the questions that they were asking started to make sense. Did he have land? Where would he be staying? Those could all be places where there could be bodies or murders could have been committed. And it just kind of clicked. Like this whole time they've been asking me about murder. FBI agents are no closer to finding Beasley when Tim Kern pulls up to meet him and Brogan. During the police investigation of the Scott Davis claims, uh, Richard Beasley and Brogan Raffrey had met with Tim Kern at a pizza place near Maslin, Ohio. During his interview with Beasley, uh, Tim Kern said he had a flat screen TV, a laptop computer, things that Beasley saw as easily pawnable or sellable that he could make a quick buck with. Richard Beasley thought that he was going to score again, but he told Beasley that he had left the TV and the computer for his kids, and all he had on him was $5 in his pocket and a beat-up car. It really uh, angered Beasley. With so little to gain, Beasley decides to quickly dispose of his victim. Once he realized he was only going to make $5 from this killing, Beasley decided to forego the trip to southern Ohio, and instead... uh, He, Brogan, and Kern drove to an isolated spot behind an abandoned mall in Akron. Beasley takes Kern to the Rolling Acres Mall, the same place he would take his daughter to throw coins in the fountain when she was young. Due to the recession, uh, the mall had all but closed. There were only three or four stores that were open, and it wasn't a very well-traveled area at the time that this occurred. Richard Beasley told Tim that he had lost his watch in a wooded area while squirrel hunting, and that was how Richard convinced him to get out of the car. Brogan Rafferty recalls hearing a pop and then seeing Tim Kern drop to his knees. Because the gun was just a small caliber pistol, uh, Richard Beasley had to fire several more shots into Tim Kern's head before he actually died. Beasley and Brogan hastily bury the body in the woods next to the mall. When I first found out that they'd found one of my father's victims at Rolling Acres Mall, I I kind of got this awful gut feeling. I instantly started to cry. And what made me cry was the thought of my family there. To taint the only place I vividly remember us being a family. It's almost like that final step of ripping my father away from me. It might have only been one memory, but when one memory is all you have to look back on and feel that, that's your everything when it comes to that person. FBI agents catch a break when they're able to use the Craigslist ad to track down their killer. The IP address of the computer used to place the ad leads them to a house in Akron. The FBI goes to this house in Akron, talks to the landlord, and the landlord says, I, I don't know this Richard Beasley. What about this guy? Oh, yeah, that's Ralph Geiger. He's a good guy. Ralph good. Geiger? Yeah, good tenant. Yeah. And that is the first time that they realize that Beasley was actually assuming the identity of Ralph Geiger. 
for the first time since a serial killer began stalking Akron, Ohio. The FBI has the upper hand, and they make a plan to lure Richard Beasley in. 50-year-old Ohio native Richard Beasley is on a killing spree, luring victims through a job ad on Craigslist. His daughter, Tanya, is shocked when the FBI pays her a visit. It just kind of clicked. Like, this whole time, they've been asking me about murder. For the course of three months, Richard Beasley killed three men, tried to kill a fourth, and assumed the identity of another man. So far, Beasley's getting away with murder. But his luck is about to run out. After interviewing Scott Davis, the FBI was able to conduct a forensic examination of Scott's computer, and that led them to an IP address that ultimately came back to Richard Beasley. He had been renting a room in the Akron area. The IP address actually came back to the address where that room was rented. The FBI goes to this house in Akron, talks to the landlord, and the landlord says, I, I don't know this Richard Beasley. What about this guy? Oh, yeah, that's Ralph Geiger. He's a good guy. Ralph good, Geiger? Yeah, good talent. Yeah. And that is the first time that they realized that Beasley was actually assuming the identity of Ralph Geiger. And based on the cell phone number that the landlord provided the law enforcement, they were able to track the ping that came off the phone. You saw us? Okay, we got him. Let's go. Police track the location of Beasley's cell phone and discover he's only blocks away. Richard Beasley! Freeze! They found him walking down the street. It was a normal everyday arrest. Beasley in custody, FBI agents track down his accomplice, Brogan Rafferty. Police question Rafferty at school and then arrest him at his home later that day. It was Brogan Rafferty's statement to law enforcement that led them to the bodies of both Ralph Geiger and Timothy Kern. Brogan was given an attorney and there was discussion about a plea deal if Brogan continued to cooperate but ultimately, Brogan reconsidered his options and decided that he wanted to take his chances at trial. Brogan was prosecuted and tried as an adult. The only sentence this court deems proportionate to the crimes you committed is life in prison without possibility of parole. In November 2012, Brogan is found guilty of three counts of aggravated murder and one count of attempted murder and sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 70 years. Once I found out Brogan was involved, at first I just saw it as black and white. You know the difference between right and wrong, and what he did was wrong. But I think what was the hardest for me to grasp was the process that happened beforehand, because I saw who Brogan was and the way that he was when my dad first got out. I saw the type of person that my dad groomed him into being. But I just figured it was to do small things, such as um, selling drugs for him or um, 
kind of managing the prostitution that was going on, or even just small things like petty theft. But I never imagined that it would get to the point where he convinced him to help him murder somebody. There are some days where I feel like had my dad and Brogan not met, that he would have a, a better life. As Beasley's trial gets underway, the media dubs him the Craigslist killer. Count one, indictment for aggravated murder. This is regarding Ralph Geiger with prior calculation and design. Guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. For aggravated murder, Timothy Kern. Guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Richard Beasley is convicted of charges including murder, kidnapping and robbery, and is sentenced to death. Richard Beasley appealed his sentence to the Ohio Supreme Court. The Ohio Supreme Court upheld the trial court's decision to sentence Richard Beasley to death. Tanya Beasley gets another kind of life sentence. Through no fault of her own, she is forever known as the daughter of the Craigslist killer. It's hard to come to terms with being the daughter of the Craigslist killer. One of the things that I struggled with getting past at first was people saying, you are like your father, um, you will be like him. It made me question myself and who I was, whether the good in me really was good. And I finally learned that, you know, I, I control my future. You kind of create a path for yourself. You have to take control away from him and what his actions did and regain it. The irony is that he did teach me how to be good to people and how to bring them hope. If I can help others see that light, that's kind of what I want to do, except I'm going to do it in the right way. I Lived With a Killer comes from the real crime fans at Reels Channel. To find more original programs like this when you watch TV, go to Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com to find us on your system. You'll also find extras from the TV version of I Lived With a Killer, including tell-all interviews with family members and crime scene photos. You'll get only on Reels Channel.